John chapter 10, beginning in verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone Him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone Me? The Jews answered Him, It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. We started this passage in particular uh, a couple weeks ago, and Jesus is going through and explaining that He is the Good Shepherd, and He is the Door. And he was using those examples to explain different aspects of who Jesus is and how He relates to His sheep. Last week we talked more about how Jesus explains that if you are His sheep, you will hear His voice, you will listen to Him. If you do not listen to Him, if you do not hear His voice, it's one of two things. One, you are not His sheep. Or two, you are so far away from the shepherd right now that, and distracted that you can't hear Him very well. And you need to get back close to the shepherd. So some time passes. The last section was probably in, in like October And now we have this Feast of Dedication, which is going to be sometime in December. So it's been a few months. So let's start in verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. Are you familiar with the Feast of Dedication? Right now, some of you are going, oh, no. Don't you know your Old Testament? Don't you know all the different feasts? 
Don't you know every single thing that the, the Jews were doing? What's interesting is even if you knew your Old Testament, you wouldn't know what this feast is. This feast isn't in the Old Testament. This is a little bit different. This feast began after the last book of the Old Testament was written, and there was 400 years of silence, and that's when this feast came about. Roughly in around 170 B.C., there was a Syrian leader who came in and overtook Jerusalem, and he went into the temple, and he actually would set up idol worship and sacrifices in the temple. And the Jewish people revolted against him over many years, and around 164, they overtook the temple and they got it back. He was setting up false worship in the temple of God. What's interesting, as legend has it, is when the, the Jews went to take back the temple, they, had, they entered in and they had enough oil for one lamp. It was going to take multiple days. And in a miracle, the lamp, the oil lasted for eight days. This is the celebration of Hanukkah, if you're familiar with that. So they were celebrating that God had provided miracles for them to take back over the temple. Why in the world does John start off here? He's giving us context of when this was taking place. It took place in Jerusalem. So this feast is happening where they're celebrating that God provided light for His people. Those of you who've been here the last couple weeks, who does Jesus claim that He is? He's the light. John continues, it was winter. Oh, thanks, John. What's going on with that? Well, it matches up with when the feast was. What's interesting is the feast that we were talking about before, the booths or tabernacles, is related to the harvest. Well, now winter has come. The harvest is over. Winter's come. What's interesting is this is one of Jesus' last dialogues. Then He goes away, as the end of the verse says, and He doesn't go out any longer to the Jewish people to offer salvation. It's from this point forward, at the end of this chapter, he heads to the cross. The rest of the book of John is from Jesus heading from this point to the cross. At least at this point, there's a shift happening. Jesus has been declaring who he is to his people. Some have accepted, some have rejected. And now winter's come. Part of what they'll do for Hanukkah is people will actually light candles or menorahs in their homes. That's why there's eight of them on there. To signify the light of God. And they miss that it's Jesus who's the true light. Also, it was winter which also seemed to cause Jesus to walk in this covered area in the temple. Verse 23. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. This was a covered area on the east side. And it would seem that he's also walking over there because of the cold weather, perhaps. And he's walking around in the colonnade. Verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? Now, I hope some of you in here, especially if you've been going through the Gospel of John together, I hope you find this a very interesting question. How long will he keep them in suspense? He has been proclaiming 
that he is from God this whole time. By now, we're getting up to three years he's been proclaiming. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Do you think that they really want to know if he's the Christ, or are they trying to figure out another way that they can trap him? That's what they're doing. Because we're going to find out shortly that they're not his sheep. They're trying to trap Jesus again. Tell us plainly. So here's what he says. Jesus answered them, I told you. And you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. Even if he didn't go around and say, oh, by the way, I'm the Messiah. The titles that he's been using throughout, the testimony that other people have been saying about him, and all the miracles that he's been doing point to that he's the Messiah. That's equivalent to somebody walking in here, and they're watching me for a while, and I have a shirt that says Billy on it, and I'm in cleaning clothes, and I'm vacuuming, and I'm mopping. I've got all these cleaning supplies. I'm pushing a cart around. I'm saying, well, it's, it's a hard job, but somebody has to do it. <laughs> and them coming to me and saying, when are you going to tell? Are you, are you the janitor here? <laughs> I do this for fun. Even if he didn't say, I'm the janitor. You know, even if I didn't say that to you, you can't put that together. You can't put it together if you're not willing to see it. Amen. They're not willing to see it. Look. But you do not believe. This is a staggering statement. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Notice how it words that. It doesn't say you don't believe, so then now you're not my sheep. It doesn't say that. It says you're not my sheep, and so you don't believe. Do you remember the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the sheep? Talking about what he's about to say here. Here's what he says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. Well, how did that happen? How did they become your sheep? Certainly, there is a side to it that we have to respond to God in faith. There's no question. Scripture is clear. But look what verse 28 says. We touched on this last week. Look what Jesus says. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Why are they His sheep? Why are, they, why are we Jesus' sheep? Because the Father has given you to the Son. We talked about this last week. You've been given as a gift from the Father to the Son. And we saw a couple verses that showed that that was before the foundations of the world. How that works, I don't know. Because Scripture is clear that that's what happens and Scripture is also clear that we have to respond in faith. It is a mystery of God. But what you need to hear as one of the sheep is you are loved and you have been given to the Son by the Father. So now, going back up for just a moment, they won't believe because they're not a part of a sheep, because you have to be part of a sheep to have he- the ears to hear. But they won't. Their hearts are so hardened, they will not listen. And if you will not listen, then you will not follow Him. And then, again, verse 28, I want to go over it one more time. 
Look what Jesus says he does to his sheep. Here's what he does. I give them eternal life. And they will sometimes perish. Wait. Different translate. No. And they will never perish. And some people can come and snatch them out of my hand. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Brothers and sisters, if you need an encouragement of the idea that you are secure, you are eternally secure in Christ, that you have an ultimate security in Christ with your salvation, look at these verses. Look at what it is saying. He literally says, I give them eternal life. By definition alone, that means you don't lose it. (laughs) It's eternal. I give them eternal life. You don't lose it. And you will never perish. You don't have to worry. You will not perish. And no one, nothing will snatch you out of His hands. Listen to Romans 8. This is one that I read when I visit some of our people in the hospitals. Especially if they're getting closer to the end. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? The answer is yes. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the, right, at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who will separate you? Nobody. Shall tribulation... How about tough times that you're facing? Distress? How about if persecution comes? How about famine? How about nakedness? How about danger? How about the sword? Even death will not separate you from the love of Christ. As it is written, for your sake we have been being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. He loved us long before we loved Him. For I am sure, listen, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are one of His sheep, that is for you. There is nothing that separates you from His love. Not even the sins that you commit. He took care of that too. Back into John. He gives us the eternal life. We will never perish and no one will snatch him out. Now he moves on to verse 29 to strengthen his argument of why nobody can snatch them out of his hands. Look what he says in 29. My Father who has given them to me, He's greater than all. So he's going to argue, my Father's greater than everybody. He's the one who gave them to me and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand because I and the Father are one. Beloved, you are secure in Christ because it is God who holds you even though you think you're holding on tightly to him. As I've used that analogy before, holding Isabella's hand, my little three-year-old crossing the street, she's got me. (laughs) I've got her, (laughs) making sure she's not running anywhere. 
So here's the Jews' response. They picked up stones again to stone him. Third time. We're so tired of this Jesus guy. Talking about eternal security. A God who loves us. We want law. We want to work for our salvation. We don't want grace. You know why? Because you can't boast when it's grace. All you can do is praise. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which one are you going to stone me? I love it when he does stuff like that. The Jews answered him, What? Jesus, crazy guy. It's not for the good work that you are that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you being like man, make yourself God. If you don't think Jesus claims to be God in the Scriptures, then you don't read the Scriptures very well. And if you think he's a good guy, then you don't understand that if he just claimed to be God and he's not, he's a liar. Some of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis's Lord, Liar, Lunatic. He's either crazy or he's Lord or he's a liar. That's your choices. Jesus answered them, verse 34, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? If he called them, verse 35, gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? This is a little confusing. What is Jesus doing here? He quotes Psalm 32. So when he says your law, sometimes that can mean the first five books of the Old Testament specifically. The Pentateuch, it can be that. Or sometimes when he's referring to the law, it can be referred to the whole Old Testament. That's what he's doing here. He's talking about Psalm 82, and he quotes that. And in Psalm 82, what's interesting are there are these judges, and God refers to them, and he says that they're gods. He's talking about humans. Some people think it's about angels and things. It's not. In context, it's talking about these humans, these rulers that he's allowed to rule. And what he's saying by using gods there is that you're able to rule over them. The problem was they were evil. They were bad. They had an authority over the people, and they were abusing it. Does that sound familiar? I think Jesus is doing more than just making an argument that he can be called the Son of God. He's pointing out, oh, by the way, those evil rulers, that's you. You have this authority over the people, and you use it for your own glory. In Psalm 82, if you read through it, and we'll do that some on Wednesday night, you see that ultimately God removes those gods, those earthly rulers, and he himself reigns because he's the only right and good judge. And that's ultimately talking about Jesus. So he cites that, and he says, Scripture cannot be broken. It's another place to show that Scripture stands true forever. You can trust the Scriptures, because guess what? If you cannot trust the Scriptures, then you cannot trust that they talk about God accurately or Jesus accurately. And if you can't believe that, then this whole thing is worthless. The Scriptures cannot be broken, and they are the Word of God. So he's saying, if, if, God will, if he'll refer to them who's ruling over a short time and they did it terribly, verse 36, why would you say me who the Father has consecrated? He has set me for a particular task to come and seek and save that which is lost, and he sent me into this world. Why would you say I'm blaspheming? He takes the argument from the lesser to the greater. He's greater than they are. And he's showing them again. 
verse 38 or 37. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. He's even saying, test me. If you don't believe me, if you're not going to listen to my voice, check out everything I've done. You can trust I am who I say I am when you can see that I've done everything that I said I would do. But even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And here's how they respond. Do they look at His works? Do they go and they say, you know what, you're right, we need to test your works, Jesus. We're going to look at all what you've done. No, they seek to arrest Him again because they don't want to believe. Do you know why they couldn't arrest Him? Why, congregation? Wasn't his time yet. We saw this last week where Jesus says, talking about his life, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. So no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. And I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it back up. Don't forget that this was the plan from before the foundations of the world. They don't get to arrest Jesus because he says, it's not my time yet. I will die at the right time, and three days later I will rise. Verse 40, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. If you remember, this is where the story started for us in John. He's gone back, and he's going to remain there until he heads to the cross. Verse 41, and many came to him, And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Brothers and sisters, there's two main points I want you to grab today. If the Spirit's showing you something else, that's great. Here's the two things I want you to grab. This passage, again, is about belief. Believe in Jesus and keep believing in Jesus. Some of you are really good when it comes to, oh yeah, I believed in Jesus 20 years ago. But you're struggling with believing in Jesus each day. And I don't mean belief like He exists. Even the demons can do that. Believing and trusting Him. Well, How do I do that? What am I supposed to look at? Look at everything that John has said about Jesus. Look at everything that Jesus has said about Himself. If you want to take their words for it, look at everything that Jesus has done. Look at everything the Father has done through Jesus. You look at those things and you believe those things. Your faith will increase. What will you get? Here's what you get. Here's the deal I've got for you this morning. If you will believe in Jesus and keep believing in Jesus, here's what you get. Two things. You get ultimate security. That goes back up to verse 28. You get eternal life. You will never perish. And no one will snatch you out of His hand. You get ultimate security. Does that sound like a pretty good deal? But wait, there's more. Some of you like the security aspect but some of you like this one as well. If you will believe in Jesus and keep believing in Jesus, you will have ultimate belonging. Look what he said. 
If I am not doing the works of my Father, I'm in verse 37, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Before that, he claims to be one with the Father. But realize the verse that was read earlier today because I know you were paying close attention when Jamie and Ashton were reading. Colossians 3 talks about that your life, if you are a Christian, is hidden in Christ. In Christ who is your life. If Christ is your life, that means you're, you're hidden in Him. And it just said that the Son and the Father are one. And that means you're in the Son who's one with the Father. You never have to be alone. You have the ultimate belonging. Whether anyone else doesn't want you, He wants you. Whether somebody else doesn't love you, this group, that people, this person, you are loved with an ultimate love. And you have ultimate belonging. And you have ultimate security. So brothers and sisters, believe and keep believing. Let's pray. Lord, we want to believe. But honestly, Father, sometimes it's we want to yell out, we believe, but help our unbelief. I pray for those who are in here right now, Father. I pray for those who may have just come in first time hearing this, the gospel message that Jesus would die on a cross for their sin and take away their sin and give them his righteousness in the great exchange. And after three days, he rose for justification so we can be made right before God. He rose that we can look more and more like Jesus through sanctification. And he rose that one day we will be with you perfectly in glorification. I pray that if there are those in here who do not know you, I pray that they would believe today. Father, for those who are here, and they have believed, and it's just a battle to keep believing, I pray you would strengthen their faith right now. Help them to keep believing what John has said, what Jesus has said, what Jesus has done, what God has done. Help them to believe Scripture because it cannot be broken. And help them to understand that they are ultimately secure in Christ. And they have an ultimate belonging in Christ. Help us to do it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.